Stepkowski working on an All-American campaign now with 16 home runs. Make it 17. Three in a row. Sky high fly ball to center. A.J. Stepkowski with a two-run shot. It's now 13-8 for Georgia Gwinnett. A three-home run performance for the Grizzlies. Etch his name in the record book. He's the first Grizzly in 11 years to hit three home runs in a ball game. A.J. Sapkowski, a two-run shot, his 17th home run of the season. Not that three home runs in a game are impressive on their own. Each of those homers were hit in consecutive plate appearances and to three different outfield directions. A.J. Sapkowski and the Georgia Gwinnett Grizzlies are once again having magnificent seasons this spring. The Grizzlies are the second-ranked team in the perfect game NAIA rankings and have been positioned in the top three all season. They're currently 31-5 with notable wins over Loyola, Bryan, Mobile, Tennessee Wesleyan, Clark, and Taylor, all schools in the top quadrant of the RPI. Sapkowski is one of the major contributors to the Grizzly offense, which is averaging well over 10 runs per game. He's leading the team with a 415 batting average and has 28 extra base hits and only 118 at-bats. 18 of those extra base hits have been home runs, which put him in the top three nationally. He also has 25 stolen bases. Earlier this year, I'd mentioned him in a Perfectly Game article. I was proofing it, and I thought I'd made an error when reading statistics because they were so impressive, and I didn't think they were correct. But yes, those are his numbers. Sepkowski's college career is an interesting one, as Gwinnett is the third school he's suited up for. Now, that's not remarkable in itself, as many players move around, especially ones who've started playing at a junior or community college. What makes his journey particularly interesting to me is that he's a former D1 player playing in the NAIA. Now, again, that's not remarkable in itself. It happens all the time. Someone may have been on a team and got stuck in the death chart behind another player, and they maybe didn't get a chance to play much and thrive. It's happened with one of Sokowski's teammates at Georgia Gwinnett, John Ponder, who played at Georgia State last year. He hit 389 last season for the Panthers, but he only received 18 at-bats. Then there's other players who make this transition because, well, simply they struggle to play at that level. It could be due to their ability, or maybe just, you know, never really gotten a comfort level on the team. It happens. However, with Sapowski, he played at Charleston Southern, a decent team in a respectable D1 conference, the Big South. That's the conference Coastal Carolina was in when they won the College World Series in 2016. Sapkowski was one of the top players on the team. Maybe even the best. However, instead of playing with the Bucks or moving on to another D1 program when he realized CSU wasn't where he wanted to be, he moved on to Georgia Gwinnett and the NAIA. That is an atypical transition. You don't see it a lot. Someone who excels at the D1 level and then moves on to the NAIA. With his impressive on-the-field success and his curious backstory, talking with AJ became a priority when looking for the guests for this podcast. And speaking with him, I was even more struck with him as a top player and his motivation to play the game. He selected the Grizzlies over other opportunities simply because he wanted to win. The level of play wasn't a determining factor. Sure, he wanted to be challenged, but being able to state that he was playing D1 baseball was not a priority. He simply wanted to be a contributor in a winning program and play the game to win. Here's Georgia Gwinnett outfielder A.J. Sapkowski. Between your batting average, power, and stolen base numbers, it would be a difficult task to find anyone who's having a more productive season in the NIA this year. However, that has not always been the case. 
you received a red shirt your, your very first year, and then I went through the numbers and you batted a combined 217 your first two seasons in junior college at Hartford. Then in 2021, you broke out with a big season, put you in the, the top 150 of the perfect game JUCO prospect list as you hit 376, and you also had power and speed. So what changed for you, for you to have such a big season and you're on offense? Yeah, so I think uh, going into JUCO, I was battling injury a lot that first year. I redshirted because I tore my labrum, and that was kind of a setback, uh, trying to work through that. And then I got into that second year and had another injury to my meniscus, had to get surgery on that, had a lot of good transfers coming in, uh, got thrown in behind a Kentucky transfer, and he kind of beat me out for that spot, so I didn't really get many ABs. I think I had like 50 at-bats in the season, just couldn't really get rolling. So this first two years were just kind of a lull for me. And then that third year came back. So hadn't played a full year of college baseball and COVID happened. So that was three years, three years down and no baseball, not a full season. And that fourth season finally came around. And uh, I just, that to me, going into that season, I was, wasn't sure if that was going to be my last year of baseball just because I was four years in already. And I just wanted to be as ready as possible for that season. I came back, had a really good year, uh, got a really good opportunity to go play Division One baseball. And then um, through some circumstances that just happened at that school, it didn't work out. Money was a little tight and got a really good opportunity to come here and play and the freedom they give us. I mean, to be able to go out there and just be an athlete. And I think that's what helped me throughout high school and throughout all the other places I've done, like had success at, uh, they've just given us so much freedom to go out here and be athletes and do what we can. So I can run a little bit, I can hit a little bit. and They uh, recognize that and let us play baseball and have fun with it. You've hit on kind of parts of the next couple of questions I was going to ask with your, with your junior college ending, you basically, you had to find a new place to new place to play. So how does that process work? Do you have teams reaching out to you? Do you reach out to the teams um, did your coaches help find somewhere for you to land? That must be a, a pretty busy and exhausting process. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was kind of a little bit of both where we're sending a lot of videos out and I'm shooting a lot of emails out just to see if I can get responses from bigger schools just to get on their radars and stuff. But uh, definitely helps with we had a place called uh, ASP and they had hit tracks and everything. So we were able to use them and have them send video and data and bunch of different numbers through these coaches and uh if they saw something they liked they would follow us throughout the season but uh that senior year or I guess it wouldn't even be a senior year my last year at Hartford uh my numbers kind of jumped up a little bit and finally got on a couple bigger schools radars but I wouldn't want to say jump the gun but uh decided to commit to Charleston pretty early before the season started or right around the beginning of the season. So uh, kind of had that monkey off my back trying to go and have a good year. And I think sure. that definitely yeah. that definitely helped me because it took the pressure of recruiting. Because recruiting, having to do it for four years, I mean, even throughout high school, I mean, it's a it's a grueling process. <laughs> so No, I, I, I yeah, I don't doubt that at all. <laughs> so tell me about, you, you mentioned ASP. So what is that, kind of like a big, they, they're basically like on top of the, all the baseball tech? All that kind of stuff? Correct. Yeah, we have uh, a couple coaches over there that we worked with through Hartford that uh, they just have batting cages. That's who we do with. uh, They do all the lifts for us. They get us prepared for the season pretty much. So anytime up north, I'm a northern kid, so we don't have the um, blessing to be out in the sun all day like down here in the south. So uh, 
during the winter and when it's a little cold out, we had the ability to go in there and that was awesome for us. Okay. So you mentioned, you mentioned Charleston Southern. That's a, it's a decent school in a, in a very solid D1 conference and you did very well there. However, despite your success, you decided to move on from being a Buccaneer. Now, why the change? I think you mentioned it a little bit. Maybe just kind of the finances weren't working out as well as you'd like. Yeah. So the season went well and met a lot of really good people there, but um, kind of play style, I would say, it wasn't a complete fit for me. And uh, I guess digging a little deeper, there was a little bit of care level amongst like like fellow players and stuff that just wasn't like a winning tradition, top notch. And uh, I've always come from winning teams, and I love to win, hate to lose, but uh, I don't. I didn't think I could go through another losing season as hor- as horrible as that sounds. Sure. No, I get it. I mean, the, the culture just wasn't a fit for you. Yeah. But, so, I mean, yeah, it was great for you individually, yep. but, you know, you weren't quite getting all out of that team experience, which you'd hoped for. Yeah. I mean, on top of that, money was a little tighter and uh, living off campus there was a little hard on me because I was paying for pretty much all my college throughout the past couple of years. So, like, when I'm home over the summers, over the winters, that's the only chance I get to work to make yeah. some money to go pay for that living. And it was just getting a little tight. And Charleston's definitely a nice city and not too cheap of a city. <laughs> no, okay. Nope. That makes perfect sense. It's not uncommon for someone to move from division one from NCA division one to the NIA it happens all the time, but usually it's because someone they're just not getting the playing time that they, that they hoped for, or they just, they just weren't quite up to that level of, of, of play. However, that was not the case for you. What made you decide to choose to go from an NCA D1 school to an NAI school, which is, it's just an, it's an atypical move for someone in your situation. Yeah. I mean, I would say there was uh, something in my mind that was really set on going NAIA. Like I was talking to, when I was in the transfer portal, I was talking to some bigger uh, division one schools still, but the money wasn't there and, uh, in the back of my head, I wasn't sure if I was going to play baseball again. So that was just kind of going back and forth with a lot of different things. And I kind of just asked God, I was like, what do you want me to do? I kind of want to just trust the winding road. Like I don't regret going anywhere. Like being at Charleston Southern was a blessing. Like I really enjoyed and needed that time there. And I kind of just wanted to trust the winding road wherever it's going to take me. And, uh, had some good phone calls with the coaches here. I had a few players here that I uh, originally played with at Harford. So having some connections here uh, made that a lot easier and never came on a visit, but I knew that it was a top-notch facility and they had a top-notch program, a winning tradition. And it just really felt like home the first day I got here. Ever since then, it's just kind of been a blessing. So you just mentioned kind of the tradition, the reputation that they have there. Gwinnett has been an they have been a success story basically since day one. Always a contender to advance to Lewiston. What are some of the things about the program there which has made it so successful and continues to keep it functioning at such a high level? Yeah, um, I think number one, most of all, is just the care level. Um, from the coaches all the way down to the players, all the way down to the people that are just up in the press box or the people that are taking care of our facilities. I mean... I could flip the camera right now and they're out there slaving away on the field, just trying to make it look beautiful for us. But I mean, honestly, like the care level from every single person that uh, has to do with this program is just top notch. 
And on top of that, you have coaches that have unconditional love and trust in you as a player. So, I mean, you can't ask for anything better as a player. Okay, perfect. The second half of your team's regular season schedule is significantly less demanding than the first half. Your recent series against Loyola in New Orleans is kind of the last significant challenge for you guys on paper until the NAA opening round. As one of the veteran players and also a leader statistically, how can you make sure that the Grizzlies are going to be ready once it's time for that win or go home time in the, in the national tournament? Yeah, I mean, we're kind of battling through some stuff right now, just a little mid-season lull, if you'd say. Um, we're still playing some decent baseball, but we know we're not at our best right now. And I think we all know that as a collective group, but it's kind of like a fire under our under our butts just to try to get to the team or get to the place we want to be in that postseason. So uh, I think it says a lot about the group right now that we're still beating some of these top 20, top 10 teams, not playing our best baseball, but um, – it's a demanding sport for sure. Like there's a lot of baseball being played over very few days. I know we have a lot of division one transfers who aren't used to playing so many double headers. I think we know what we need to do to fix these little lulls that we're going through. And uh, I think we're going to be ready for playoffs. Just, we got to show up every single day, take nothing for granted. And that's kind of what we've been working towards doing and getting back to right now. So I'm excited to see what playoffs uh, have for us. As you've moved from school to school, that must make getting a degree a bit cumbersome. How has the student part of student athlete been going for you? So that's been a that's been a whole <laughs> nightmare for me right now. But uh, <laughs> so I'm an integrative studies major, which is basically um, a general education in psychology, history, and then uh, business. So I finished all my business at Harvard. And then when I transferred to Charleston, for us to be eligible for all the transfers that went into that year to be eligible, we had to switch to social human science, which was basically psychology. And then here, not too many credits get accepted when you transfer over. So they had like a transfer program that literally just got implemented into their system like this year or last year, which was called integrative studies. So I had my business and psychology done. I just have to do my history courses and then basically be okay. done. <laughs> so with that being said, I, I assume you're going to try to play baseball as long as you can. Yep. But at, at some point, you're going to have to choose something else that uh, do you want to try to maybe incorporate baseball into whatever you do post playing days. I mean, is that something that, that interests you? Do you want to continue to like train, be a coach? Um, what, what do you, what, what is your future outlook? Yeah. So I definitely want to play baseball as long as possible. But uh, after those days come to an end, I'm hoping just to go back home. My brother's got a landscaping business that we kind of started up the past couple of years. We've been doing that for a while, landscaping and hardscaping. So uh, just kind of get my feet back underneath me and do that for a little while and soak up that family time. And then hopefully one day I can get back into the sport, whether that be whether that be coaching or training or whatnot. But somehow, some way, I'd like to get back into it. Or the psychology, history, business of, yep. of baseball, <laughs> I, guess, I guess, to incorporate yeah. all of your classes. All right. Well, I think I've taken up enough of your time. Thank you so much for talking to me, AJ. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. That is another episode in the books. Thanks again to AJ for taking some time to chat with me, as well as to you, the listener, for checking in. Hope you check back for future episodes of the podcast as well as listen to some older ones from the archive. 
If you have any suggestions for stories for the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at underscore Ephuspich. That's E-E-P-H-U-S-P-I-T-C-H. High fly ball deep to left center field. It's going. It is going. It's goodbye. That one was tagged, Mickey.